0: Father, we do ask for your teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would give us a real spirit of revelation and understanding, spirit of illumination, that the word of God would be easy for us to just not only comprehend, but to receive into our hearts and change our lives. We pray, Lord, that the result would be that we really would walk in greater wisdom and walk more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, there was this guy. And he was a young business intern, and he had a very grouchy boss. And the two of them needed to take a business trip, and they boarded a train that was headed through the mountains. Now, they couldn't find any place to sit on this train except right across from this beautiful young lady and her grandmother. Now, after a while, it was obvious that this young woman and this young man kind of had an interest in each other because they kept looking at each other in a certain way. Well, soon the train entered into a tunnel, and it went pitch black, and there was a sound of a kiss, then the sound of a slap, and then it came out from the tunnel, and after the train emerged from the tunnel, the four of them sat there not saying a word. The grandmother, she's thinking to herself, it was very brash for that young man to kiss my granddaughter, but I'm glad she slapped him. Well, the grouchy boss is sitting there thinking, I didn't know that young intern had enough brains to kiss that young lady, but I wish she wouldn't have missed him and slapped me. And the young woman, she's sitting there thinking, I'm glad the guy kissed me. I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him. While well, the young intern sits there with a satisfied smile and he's thinking life sure is good. How often does a man get to kiss a pretty girl and slap his grouchy boss all at the same time? Well, sometimes things just turn out right, you know. But really this uh, this series on the book of Proverbs Living in Wisdom really is seriously, how to live right, how for things to turn out right. And today we're going to talk about the wisdom of God in doing what is right and just and fair. In fact, right off at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, we see how important a subject this is for the people of God. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 3, says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, now listen to this, doing what is right and just and fair. In fact, one of the reasons why we are to pursue wisdom from the book of Proverbs is so that we will know how to do what is right and just and fair. In fact, according to the book of Proverbs, let's look at chapter 2, verse 9. It says one of the reasons we want to become wise is, verse 9 of chapter 2, then you understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. So the wise man or the wise woman understands now what is right to do and just to do and fair to do. The idea of the justice in the book of Proverbs really is refers to the way that things ought to be in God's world. What In God's world, what is right? How should things be done justly? How should things be done fairly? Proverbs 21, verse 3 says this, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So the good life in the book of Proverbs is a life that is lived in wisdom. Living a life of wisdom brings about, in fact, the shalom of God. The shalom of God, shalom means peace, but it means so much more than that. It means more than just the absence of conflict. It really is the positive presence of harmony and wholeness and health and prosperity and human flourishing in all of its fullness. That is shalom. And this kind of shalom requires a certain amount of wisdom to take place. It requires human relationships to function in a certain way. It requires true justice in order for there to be shalom. In fact, there is no real shalom without justice. Now, justice in the book of Proverbs has to do with the ordering of life in such a way that it brings about what is just and what is right and what is fair. And this is something that we all grow up really kind of understanding in our innermost being. Even as a kid, we, we have that sense of fairness and just, justice. I can think of times when I was a kid when the goodies were being handed out. If, if my brother got more than me, I would, my first thought was, that's not fair. That he got more of that than me. My dad had his great wise solution for that, is that if we had a, you know, if we if we had a piece of cake and we were both going to get a certain part of it, he'd say, okay, one of you cuts the cake, the other one gets to choose which piece they want. It's amazing how things got real fair <laughs> after that. But this is what is supposed to be communicated. Really, our country is founded on these. These principles from the scriptures, and that's one of the reasons why we have Lady Justice blindfolded, holding the scales of justice. That is a picture, really, that there is to be true justice and true fairness, regardless of ethnicity or social economics, or age or gender. There is there needs to be fairness. There needs to be justice. In fact, this notion of equity. That really is deeply embedded in our laws as a country originally. Really is embedded ultimately uh, in biblical law. Leviticus 24 verse 22 says, You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19.15 says, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. So this insistence of impartiality before the law definitely stands against any form of ethnic discrimination or any form of favoritism for the rich over the poor. There needs to be fairness regardless this equal treatment ultimately is grounded in this divine order of God. Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. By the way, th- this, this, this verse here really, and this truth here, is echoed in the Declaration of Independence, where we read, All men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable Rights. So really, our value as human beings doesn't come from our background, doesn't come from our ethnicity, doesn't come from our social status. Really, our value comes from God, the fact that we're made in the image of God. All humans are made in the image of God and therefore should be treated with dignity. Therefore, there should be fairness, there should be equality before the law. In fact, this whole idea, anytime you hear the idea of human rights, this whole idea really flows from that. It flows from this truth we're talking about. That's why Proverbs rails against something like bribery, for example. Why? Because according to Proverbs 17, 23, it perverts justice. Listen, Proverbs 17, verse 23, a wicked man accepts a bribe in secret to pervert justice the course of justice, and that goes against God's plan. God wants justice. God wants fairness in society. So justice demands that there should be, of course, uh, equal treatment, fair treatment under the law, but really it's more than that. Justice, true justice is much more than that because you can have legal equality, and then we have the issue of, okay, what about social equality? And that is something that we're hearing constantly being debated on the news. And this refers to things like uh, how should goods be distributed in a society? I mean, how much someone has and how much someone does not have, how, where does justice and fairness come to play in that? The rich and the poor, I mean, how is that determined? Well, the truth is, if you really study the Bible, there is no insistence in the Bible that there must be equal distribution of goods. Many factors can come into play for why one person might have more given to them or available to them than another person. One person may be working harder, one person may actually be uh, making more moral choices. One person may be acting more wisely, so forth. And it affects the distribution of goods. That's why Proverbs also teaches something like this. Proverbs 6, verse 10 and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Or Proverbs 14, 23, all work brings a profit but mere talk leads only to poverty so there are many factors that really determine what a person ends up possessing but proverbs also recognizes that there can still be an injustice in the distribution of goods like for example proverbs 13:23 says a poor man's field may produce an, produce abundant food but injustice sweeps it away So we see that it is possible for there to be injustice still, even in how the social economics applies to everybody from time to time. So what we see is that there is this consistent biblical theme of justice, and God is concerned about it, and we are called as wise men and women to line up with God and treat people fairly and justly. But what we see is there's also injustice in the midst of this. So what does God think about that injustice? What we see is that God himself will now align himself with those who are poor and powerless and being treated unjustly. God will now take their side. We see that now in the scriptures. In fact, we see that to mistreat the poor, to mistreat the powerless is actually, in a sense, to mistreat God. For example, Proverbs 14, 31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Why? Because God has taken their side. God takes the side of the needy and the poor and the powerless. He becomes their advocate, their defender. Proverbs 17, verse 3, He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Proverbs 22, verse 22 and 23, do not exploit the poor because they're poor and do not crush the needy in court for the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. Proverbs 23, verse 10 and 11, we see it again. Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach On the fields of the fatherless, for their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. So God is concerned about the poor and the powerless. He sees the injustice and he takes their side. He sides with them, he defends them, he is their advocate. And those who are wise then will work with God and not against him in this regard. We will then. We also, who are wise, will side with those, the powerless and the poor, and take up their cause. Why? Because God does it. Zechariah declares this in Zechariah 7, 9, and 10. The prophet says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Dispense true justice, and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow, or the orphan, the stranger, or the poor. The psalmist agrees with us as well. Psalm 146, verse 7, and then verse 9. Who executes justice for the oppressed? In other words, who takes their side? Who gives food to the hungry? In other words, who takes their side? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. So again, we're seeing this theme. God cares about justice. He cares about fairness. He sees injustice, and he, he takes the side of the powerless. He takes their side. In fact, in the Law of Moses, we see this, Deuteronomy ten eighteen: The Lord executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So I want you to know this. Those four in particular, widows, and orphans, and foreigners or aliens, and the poor. These are the most vulnerable in a society. They have no social power. The widow has no husband to watch over her. The orphan has no parents. The poor has no money. And the foreigner has no family or friends to help them. So what does God do? He takes their side. He becomes their protector. In fact, he pledges to do it. Proverbs 28 verse 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. So those who seek the Lord are those who are going to be wise, and they are going to side with God, and in order to do that, they will then do things justly and fairly, and they will take the side of the powerless as well. So if we want to live this consistent life with God's wisdom, then we got to be careful how we act, especially when it comes to the poor, the powerless, the orphan, and the widow, and the alien, and the poor. Proverbs 21, verse 13 says this, If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. I mean, wow. So we ignore their cries, we ignore uh, their need, and then... Don't be surprised if God ignores our prayer. That's what he's saying. Proverbs 29, verse 7. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. So because God cares for the poor and they're vulnerable, he is involved. And he wants his people involved where he's involved. He wants us to be involved in doing what is right and just and fair especially in regard to the powerless. In fact, God is so concerned about the poor and the vulnerable that he did something in the Old Testament. He set up something to help the poor, something called the year of Jubilee. And I'm not going to go through the whole study of the year of Jubilee. You can read it on your own in chapter 25 of the book of Leviticus. But I'll summarize it for you. Jubilee, the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, something was supposed to happen for Israel, for the people of God. Something was supposed to happen every 50 years. It was called the year of Jubilee. Three things were supposed to happen. First thing is all debts were to be canceled. How would you like that? All debts are canceled. It doesn't matter who you owe or how much you owe or how long you've been in debt all debts are canceled. That was good news for the poor who were under tremendous debt just to survive. The second thing was supposed to happen during the year of Jubilee was all prisoners are set free. Now he's talking about prisoners who were in debtor prison, so to speak. Prisoners, those who could not pay their debts so they were in a sense prisoners to work for that person now as a servant, as a slave, as a prisoner. Now, If the Jubilee comes, you're set free. Why? Because your debt's forgiven, you're set free. That's good news for the poor. Thirdly, your Jubilee, 50 years, all land was to be given back to those who originally possessed it. So if you were poor and you had to sell your land just to make enough money so you could eat and survive, when the Jubilee came around, all lands are returned. All lands go back to the original owner. Sounds like good news for the poor, doesn't it? So I want to look at an example now where Israel actually did the year of Jubilee. So let's turn to that passage. But you won't find it. Because we have no record of Israel ever doing it. See, the Jubilee was good news for the poor. It was good news for poor people to get a new start. It was a chance for poor people to get a new beginning, a new start, new hope. But not once do we know that it was ever observed. It was commanded, but to our knowledge, they never did it. Why? Why didn't they ever do it? I think the answer is this. I think the answer is that throughout history, religious leaders have allowed themselves to be controlled by rich people. Rich people who had a lot to lose if this, in this present world if the scriptures are followed. So somehow they ignored these scriptures or they rationalized them or they twisted them so they wouldn't have to forgive the debt. They wouldn't have to release the prisoner and they wouldn't have to give the land they acquired back. So the poor didn't get a break. The poor didn't get the break that God intended them to get. They didn't get a new start. They didn't get a new beginning. Instead, they passed their poverty on to their children and their children's children. And this happened for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then one day, God, who, remember, cares about the poor and the powerless. Then one day came where God became one of them. I'm not just talking about a human, but one of them. A poor in a poor part of the world in this poor little town called Bethlehem, and a poor man and his young wife, a poor couple gives birth, not in a hospital, not even in a house, but in a barn. And this little baby has for his first bassinet a cattle trough. His baby's clothes are not purchased at Baby Gap, but torn pieces of cloth wrapped around his little body. And this little baby, of course, is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. And this little baby came into the world, not just to provide a way way for us to go to heaven, but this little baby comes into the world to give hope to the poor, to give hope and released to the oppressed and the captives to bring healing to the sick and the infirmed. It's interesting, before Jesus begins his ministry, he makes this announcement. He actually announces that he is going to inaugurate, he is going to, he announces the beginning of the Jubilee. He announces it when he starts his ministry. Remember Isaiah 61 says this. Basically, it says when Messiah comes, he's going to declare the favorable year of the Lord. The favorable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. Messiah comes. One of the ways that you will know he's Messiah, he's going to declare the favorable year of the Lord. In fact, let me just read what Isaiah 61 says, and then we'll see what Jesus does with it. Just listen to these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has called me to bring good news to the poor. Sight to the blind, deliverance to the captives, deliverance to the oppressed. He has called upon me to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of Jubilee. So Isaiah 61 says the Messiah will come. And one of the ways you know it's Messiah, he's going to to fulfill Isaiah 61. So what does Jesus do? When Jesus, when he starts his ministry, he goes back to his hometown, to Nazareth. The synagogue is full. The place is packed. Jesus stands up, takes his turn, takes the scriptures, the scroll. He wants the Isaiah 61 scroll. He reads it. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading Isaiah 61. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then Jesus says next, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was saying basically that he is the Messiah Isaiah prophesied. And as Messiah, he is declaring the Messiah's ministry, which included declaring the Jubilee. Now remember, Jubilee was good news for the poor. That means that debts are forgiven. Prisoners are set free. So that's what Jesus does. Jesus starts his ministry. What does he do? He's forgiving people's debts. He's forgiving people's sins left and right as they come to him. He is setting prisoners free. He's setting the oppressed free. Everywhere you go, Jesus is giving the, 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 the poor a new start. By the way, it's not just spiritual that Jesus is doing this. He's bringing healing to the sick, deliverance to those who are demonized and oppressed. <clears throat> He's bringing the kingdom of God. He's releasing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And by the way, I mean, there's no, no one poor in heaven, right? So if the ministry, so if, if, if his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, then the poor are being relieved of their poverty. There's no one sick in heaven, So to bring heaven, if heaven invades earth and it does in the ministry of Jesus, that means the sick get healed. There's no one oppressed in heaven. So again, the ministry of heaven is released on earth through Jesus. And what happens? The oppressed get set free. This is the kingdom ministry that we see Jesus doing. He is giving good news to the poor, good news to the sick, good news to the oppressed. Now, what's interesting is it doesn't stop with Jesus. What does Jesus do? When he sends out the 12, what does he send them out to do? He sends them out to do the same thing that he was doing. He sends them out. When he sends out the seventy, what does he send them out to do? He sends them out to do that kingdom ministry, the same kind of ministry. And then right before he ascends into heaven, the passage that we talk about a lot about a lot around here about the Great Commission passage, Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. All I commanded you. And, you know, if you, if you study the Greek word for all, it means? All. It means all. All I commanded you. Observe all I commanded you. What did I send the 12 out to do and the 70 out to do? And then he sends, then great commission is that we continue this ministry. This ministry of what? This ministry basically of jubilee, bringing good news to the poor, release to the captives, healing to the sick, you know, this is supposed to be a ministry that continues through the church on planet Earth. The church today is supposed to be releasing the kingdom rule of God on, the, on Earth as it is in heaven. When I was a seminary student in 1980, they had a guest speaker at chapel, and this guest speaker got up there and said, you guys are great with Greek and Hebrew. He says, in fact, there are whole denominational splits over one Greek word. And he held the Bible up. He says, I got a Bible here with 2,000 verses on the poor. And what I want to ask you today is what you're doing with those 2,000 verses. You could have heard a pin drop in that chapel service. I mean, conviction just kind of set upon the whole chapel, set on me as well. And I decided I was going to learn those verses and and begin to try to apply them in my life. You see, Christ and the body of Christ are supposed supposed to be good news to the poor, not just good news to the lost. We should be that for sure, but good news to the poor. We should be good news to the orphans. We should be good news to widows. We should be good news to aliens. We should be good news to the oppressed, to the sick. We're not just good news for the by and by, you know. We're good news for the here and now. That's our call. You know, it's interesting. Job was considered a very wise man. In Job 29, verses 12 through 16, he describes the way he lived. Job 29, verse 12, he said, I delivered the poor who cried for help and the orphan who had no helper. And I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. See, Job understood the wisdom of God and the heart of God. And so he was compelled to action because of that. So this morning... I guess as I look at this, I just, in this wisdom series thinking, how can we all be wise men and women? Well, the way we do it is we, is we side with what God wants done, or what God wants done is he wants the poor and the powerless for us to side with them. Now, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about some ministries here, and so if I could get some help here. Some of you got these on the way in, and some of you didn't. So raise your hand. We're just going to see if we can get some of these to you. Okay? And so just raise your hand. we got some guys walking around. I, just want, I want to have one of these in their hand. Please grab one. And as, as we look at this, I just want to, because these ministries that have been born out of Grace Community Church have been born because of the kinds of scriptures we just read. A lot of people wonder how we landed on certain ministries that we do. We land on the ministries we we do because of what the Word of God says, what the heart of God is, and really how wise men and women should be, be behaving. Okay, so over here, guys, too, we need some more help. So if you get this, I just want to mention some of these ministries, because my question, of course, is in light of this, what will you do? What will I do? What will we do, each one of us? If we're going to be wise... If we're going to side with the things God sides with, what will we do? And, and we have certain ministries here. I just want to mention that you can be involved. And in. so many, many of you are already involved in some of these. I know that. The Arlington Life Shelter, as it, as it opens back up after COVID. Our homeless outreach, again, as we're kind of re-strategizing doing this. The Practical Helps Ministry, helping those starting with their own church family with their needs. Ministry to the elderly. Widows' ministry, we have an ESL ministry. It's much more than teaching English. English is a way to show God's love to these people, but these are people that need help in lots of ways, and we get connected with them. Citizenship classes, embrace grace. We've got young women who are pregnant and uh, really wrestling with keeping their baby, and we want to help them do that. We have foster adopt ministry, jail ministry, and then abroad, other places. You know, we've built the two orphanages we did in Mexico, that flows out of this. All these scriptures we're reading. Those, that ministry flows out of that. Naomi's village in Kenya. Pastor T's orphanage in Myanmar. Source of compassion in Central Asia. QJAC Ministries in Turkey. Agda School scholarships in the Philippines among the Agda people. These are some. These are some ministries. And I tell you, my, I'd love to have to have a page that is a lot longer that has all these ministries that are born right out of this church because we have God's heart in this matter. But Basically. This morning, as we're doing this series on wisdom, my question to you is, how will you, how will you side with God and side with the poor and the powerless? In what way? Because we all need to have an answer for that, I believe. All of us need to have some answer for that. Because we are here, we are God's people on the earth, and we should be releasing his kingdom. There should be a jubilee coming there should be a new start for the poor because of Grace Me Church. And there are so many things that are happening already. But but I just want to encourage you, if you're not already connected in one of these, then my question to you is, what are you doing? What will you do to side with the poor and the powerless? What will you do? Because all of us need to have an answer to that. All of us do. We're part of a people that are giving the poor a new start. And so I just want to encourage you. We're going to close in prayer in just a moment And I just want to encourage you to think about, okay, Lord, how can I side with what you side with? Because God sides with the poor and the powerless. We see that. We need to side with them too. Let's stand for prayer and ask Aaron to come on up here. Now, part of what I believe the Lord wants to do this morning is I believe that he wants to release, in a sense, some jubilee right here in this room. And in the rooms, and those of you who are online, I believe he wants to forgive some debts. Some of you may not even know Christ. You still are carrying the weight of your sin and the judgment that comes on you. You're carrying your guilt and your shame. And Jesus wants to release you from it today. Some of you may know Christ, but you still are, are, are walking with a sense of guilt and shame that he wants to set you free from today. Some of you, I think, are oppressed and the Lord wants to set you free from the oppression today. I think he's going to break some of that right right in this room. Some of you need the Lord to heal you from some infirmity. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental, emotional. But the Lord wants to heal you. Now, I'm going to declare some things in the name of Jesus over us in just a moment. And I tell you, you need to activate your faith. I can declare forgiveness in Jesus' name, but Jesus is the one who forgives I want you to know that I know that. I can declare it in Jesus' name, but you have to receive it by faith. Jesus is the one who forgives. You have to activate your faith to receive what he offers. So I want to declare a few things over us right now. Lord Jesus, here we are. We're your people. And Lord, we want to walk in the fullness of all you have for all of us. Even right now, Lord, you don't want anyone in spiritual debt right now. You don't want anyone, Lord, in bondage, oppression. Lord, you want to release your kingdom. You want to heal the sick. So we're asking you, Lord Jesus, now you're right here. You're you're among us. We're gathered in your name. You're, You're walking up and down these aisles. You're here. You're here. So Lord, we're asking you to release those who are in any debt. Those Release those who are struggling with the guilt and shame of their sin even today. Release them. And I declare in Jesus' name, the Lord has taken away your sin. Just receive that. Receive it. Just let the guilt and shame fall off. Let it fall off, all of it. Even that one thing you're holding, one sin you think He can't forgive you for, He forgives you for it. Let it go. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray You release people from any oppression or depression now. And in Jesus' name, the Lord releases you from oppression and depression. Just let it fall off. Just receive that from the Lord. Lord Jesus, it's so easy for you to heal. You just speak a word. You just touch a body. You're right here with us. And in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be healed.
1: darkness. My God, that is who
0: you are. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we belong to you. And Lord, we thank you that we get this high calling of siding with the things you side with, of being your kingdom releasers even now, of releasing shalom, Lord, as we live our lives, of releasing what is right and just and fair. And, Lord, we pray that we find ourselves this week just seeing our surroundings differently. I pray, Lord, we'd even find ourselves discerning the news differently. And, Lord, we would know how to be wise and how to do what is right and just and fair in every situation as your people. We pray for that for your people all throughout this country. We pray for that for your people, Lord, around the world. And we ask you, O Lord, that the poor and the powerless will get a new start because of us. We pray this in Jesus' name.